Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And the time has finally come. We've reached that week. It is grand final week. And I don't think we're really surprised. Teams one and two have made it through. Uh, they were the best teams all year. There was signs of life from others like the Warriors and obviously Melbourne sort of pitter-patted their way through to land into the top four. But there's been no one more consistent or better than the two that have landed in the grand final. Yeah, thoroughly deserved. Best two teams, best game. Super excited to see how it pans out. Definitely. Um, both dominant wins as well in the end. I think you'd Just say... a bit of an exclamation mark on what everyone probably thought. Yep. A little bit of controversy <laughs> in the Brisbane one, but I still think they go on to finish it and they certainly put an exclamation point when they went on with it. But no doubt, regardless of the result, that, that moment shouldn't have happened, the pass. That has to be picked Every, up. Yeah, everyone in the world could say that was forward. Yeah. But yeah, I think, again, they went on with it and really laid the smack down. So... There's no doubt in the mind there, that's for sure. But lots of great storylines too come out of this. Like you look from Origin, you know, Walsh and Cobbo both had a bit of history with Luai. You've got Reynolds and the story, obviously moving on from South now in a grand final year two. Last year wasn't the greatest of years, so a chance to really put an exclamation point on his move. Father-son combinations on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, John Cartwright, I know, ex-Penrith coaching out that club. You've got Catewell. Ex-Prentice versus his old club. It's a lot of guys crossed over from both states as well. A lot of good head-to-head matchups and positions. It's got plenty there. And two big clubs, Brisbane, obviously, the original and the biggest of all the Queensland clubs. It's been a, a bit, a bit of time since that Cowboys grand final that they lost. And then the one prior to that was obviously the Storm win in 2006. So mm. massive opportunity. And then Penrith looking for a slice of history. They're already history-making yeah, side I- with <laughs> four grand finals in a row and a chance to win three in a row. Talk about all the fluffy stuff, right? I'm just interested in the nuts and bolts. I want to thinking about the game, just watching them both play all year. It's been the game that really excites me the most. I think you know we've just got a real clash of styles, two different, completely different teams. They win in different ways. They've got different strengths. So it's yeah, it's going to be a really really exciting game to see. Mm. And I think yeah, exactly what you just said there as well. Different sort of way they operate in terms of even their forwards and their edges. One's a bit more reliant on the grind of the defensive side of things. The other one's high-octane attack. Play from anywhere on the field. Play short sides. Play open. Risk it to get the biscuit. Throw some risky passes. Offloads that we saw on the weekend. And uh, we're going to see how those two match up against one another. Mm. Can that stand up to the pressure test of the grind that Penrith sort of put on and playing that yardage and cycle game and making you play the long game and earn everything? Or can they put Penrith under pressure? get some early points and put scoreboard pressure back on them, which hasn't happened very often, which would turn things into a different set of circumstances for the Panthers. Yeah. And that's the big point. Probably when we do more of the Wednesday show for me is that first 20 minutes is crucial. Yeah. If Brisbane can get a try or two early and get scoreboard pressure on Penrith, that's a completely different script for them. And over the last three years, as you lose talent, like your Burtons, your Arpies, your Kickouts, etc., it's not to say they're still not in a good attacking side, but they're certainly earning their points or constructing their points differently than what they did before. Yeah, the biggest thing I think for Brisbane is to not be overawed by the opposition. They need to certainly respect the opposition and make the relevant adjustments they need to think. Well, they need they think they need to in order to win the game, but they also need to acknowledge their strengths. Mm. And there's a lot of things to which Penrith need to be mindful about that they're going to have to stop in regards to Brisbane. You know, there's going to be so much talk about the Penrith juggernaut, three in a row, four grand finals in a row, which is cool. 
But for Brisbane, it's job at hand. What's the plan? How are we going to win the game? And just have a really short, narrow focus. Because you can get so overawed if you start to think about the strengths and weaknesses of all these Penrith players, what they do well. It's just, you know, how, how best do we stop it? How are we going to do that across the 80 minutes? Practice the hell out of that and and get out there and focus also on your own strengths, Definitely. which I think they'll do. We'll save, like I said, more of that, that stuff for Wednesday. We'll be back for our grand final preview. We'll yep. break down the game, the matchups in depth, how we think things will play out, similar to what we do for Origin, but obviously we go next level come grand final time, so we'll leave that for now until we get our lineups and a bit more information. But Luai, obviously, 60 minutes, they got him off. Tago, yeah. back from injury, wasn't the best defensively. Had some positive moments on that side of the ball, but nevertheless, a run under his belt, so you'd expect Penrith to go in with the same 17, and on the Brisbane side, similar deal. Week off. Rolled in, got out of this one, looks like unscathed, so expect to see the same 117, 1-17s on both sides. You'd think so. Um, yeah. <clears throat> for now, let's jump in. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you can have a bet with anyone, make sure you do it with the True Blue Bookie. Download the app today or visit the website. And I got two cracks for the charity on the weekend. No dice on both, unfortunately. I, who did I go? I went Liam Martin, who made a nice line break and fed it back to Nath. So... Was cheering until I saw the inside support. Wanted him to go the greedy option, and then I had stags. But Herbie ended up being the man who had more opportunity. Got a double, so no cash in the kitty. Twelve hundred and sixty dollars and fifty cents. Last chance saloon this weekend. Hopefully, find some value um, to get one last good win, and hopefully hit it up to fifteen hundred. That's sort of the goal I had in mind. But we'll see how that goes. And thanks again to Bluebet for supporting our charity account. What do you reckon? Do the games first, then review the seasons? Yeah, let's do it that way. Well, Storm Panthers, 38-4. to In the end, it was a smash-up. Um, I mean, for Melbourne, pretty much watching Bellamy's press conference summed up the whole year and summed up that game. And he literally said what I've said a few weeks ago. Mm. The inconsistency, not even just week to week, but in-game, is way too much. Yeah. And basically heaped praise on Penner for the fact that you know, even on days where he basically said the other night probably wasn't the best of nights for even their key players, but it just doesn't matter because the other 13 guys always play 90%, 95%. All everyone does their job. Everyone knows their job. They're so consistent. And for Melbourne, that's the part that's really missed this year. Yeah. And that, you know, super happy. They obviously got the wins that they got, landed in the top four, but to get where they got, considering repeti- repetitively saying the same things about errors, discipline and defense, pretty much was all summed up in that performance. But... Yeah, early on in this one, they had their chances. Um, you know, first set, giveaway penalty, flip the field, Toto, easy shift, struggled to hold the middle, which was no surprise. They moved the point of attack very well, Penrith. The two props did a fantastic job of brutalizing Harry Grant when he got on the field, but to start with, still putting a dent in. They were turning under a lot, as you were saying, when we were there live, just turning players back <laughs> under the move, moving those guys around, and they didn't really have too much trouble. Putting him under pressure. Yo played a hand in everything. Picked his time as well when he wanted to run and pass. Had a fantastic game. But for Melbourne, they just really looked disconnected. They broke down and they actually created more opportunities than I expected in the first half and let a lot of them go by the wayside. Yeah, they did. They had that simple one-on-one <clears throat> where Olam obviously got Tago. I think they bombed too. Yeah, well, Liero to Olam. Bad pass, bad catch, execution. Um, there was another one. On the back of that, there was a line break where Harry went early and threw it at his backside to somebody else. There was Hughes twice on inside shoulders where he sort of got rolling. Yeah. Um, and they also found a bit of love kicking to the wingers. Had a mismatch there. Got a couple of errors, but he, he basically said as much. Like, you get your opportunities against them, you have to take them. Yeah, 100%. And they crowded a couple, but you know that if you don't take them, well, your chances are going to be you know few and far between because they just play that long game. They grind into the dirt and... <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, with all those errors, they went into halftime. Penrith were a hundred percent. Melbourne was sixty five percent, and down eighteen to four. Yeah. So with all those errors and missed opportunities, they just came over the top. Um, they had a lot of success going at Olam, Remus, and Munster's edge. That was quite disconnected. But again, lose the middle pressure straight away on your edges. Didn't make decisions together. Um, they broke down on the other side of the field as well. Play five run. They sweeped there and had a nice touch. To get Taruva in and just, yeah, any time it seemed they were getting anything, 
penalty or a six again in a particular, and we said this last week, Nelson's comments and then to play the way he did was pretty bloody embarrassing. Yeah, well, he needs to be, just plain and simply, he needs to be playing better than that in big games, yeah. If you're going to lay down the gauntlet <clears throat> during the week and talk it up, <clears throat> back it up. Yeah. If you go right. go down swinging, I'm fine with it, but if you're going to talk, you better want to back it up. Yeah, there was probably just the balance of it. He got the balance wrong. He was more worried in the shit than playing football. That was <clears> the big problem. Limited impact in the end. First did only lasted 15 minutes. Second stint was lucky um, a couple of times, probably not. But, you know, we said that the ground, with a lot of people complaining about some of the penalties and no Sinbins. The Sinbin disappeared during the finals. There was multiple hits across the finals that would have been tender in the year they weren't. So that's not to defend them at all. But, yeah, his mind was certainly elsewhere. But Penrith were good. Um, yeah, they were dominant. Perfect situation. Like we said, dominant with their pack. Really thought Yo, along with the two props, were the standouts. Nath got better as the game went on. Jerome did what he had to do. And as usual, they got what they got needed out of their back five. And other guys had moments. Liam Martin had some good moments. Um, Tago obviously had positive touches with the ball. A few bad misses uh, one-on-one. But that, that was probably the only thing I took out of it as a bit of a negative. There was a few one-on-one pisses, uh, misses that you don't associate with Penrith, that's for sure. Yeah, particularly from Tago had a couple. But that's to be expected coming back and... He was always going to be a little bit rusty, you know. Tackling blokes at training in, you know, live situations is different to having to do it in a, you know, full-blooded game. So mm. you could see after after the game, just visibly, he was pretty upset with how he played, mm. which shows that you know, irrespective of the result, the high standards that the Panthers hold themselves to. So I, I think that the fact that they just got through, you know, pretty easily, and he's going to be extremely motivated to be better again. There's no doubt that Brisbane will be looking at that and how they can expose that and put him in situations where he's going to have to make one-on-one tackles again in those those types of scenarios. But you'd imagine he'd be doing a lot of extra stuff this week to ensure that, you know, when he's put in those scenarios again, he'll be better. Yeah, and I think for them as well, side of the field he's on uh, is obviously Herbie, who was excellent the week before. They got dangerous matchups both sides of the field, but Herbie in particular, with that bit of footwork or, you know, the way he sort of got missed by Olin was just a straight up roundabout run. You know, he gets on the outside and just tries to run past him. Herbie's going to offer a lot more than just a straight up run or a tough line. Mm. Bit more footwork, <clears throat> bit more strength. He's longer, he's more awkward. So, um, yeah, no doubt he'll be getting some extra reps in this week. But I think for them, that, that pretty much just sums everything up. And Melbourne certainly didn't help themselves. I'd... Basically, like I said last week, thought 20 or more ended up being even worse than that, which was the disappointing part. But, yeah, I think when you go in at 18-4 with the opportunities they had, I still think they would have got beat. But when you give up those chances and they're few and far between with Penrith, you're just setting yourself up to fail. And second half started that way. Yeah. There was probably a five- or six-minute cycle period, but they started to lose, as usual. Back five come into it. Critter gets a nice two-on-one deep, finds an offload that sends Taruva away. Toto just on a play through, carry, busts them up, they roll off that. It's just those sort of moments again. Yeah. And again, turning the ball under. Luai bounces back in field, shift across. Martin gets Munster's inside shoulder. They just absolutely ran Melbourne ragged. And with the errors, discipline, and penalties, they just didn't give themselves a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were relentless. And um, the late moment with Cleary having the head clash with the latest tackle from King, I'm um, glad that that didn't turn into anything more. He obviously got straight up. You know, didn't look like he was concussed. It was a cut, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that didn't turn into a story because that's the last thing you want grand final week with the way protocols obviously are these days. Yeah, if your halfback would have been under a cloud in the protocol, etc. But yeah, other than that, I don't think there's any real worries for Penrith out of that. They got Jerome through. Cogger even got a 20-minute stint, which was good. Yeah, a lot of the things that we were talking about just didn't come to fruition because Penrith weren't really put under any <clears throat> pressure, probably for 20 minutes. This was a footy game and... You know, Melbourne's lack of execution in those two um, instances down the left-hand edge probably put them out of it at, at um, half-time mm. at 18-4. I know Bellamy said at half-time he was, he was quite positive because obviously... Created chances. Yeah, like he, you ice those two tries, it's almost an even game at half-time. Yeah, so. that's what he sort of said. Like, yeah, Not many teams have created those chances, he certainly you have had, to take them. He certainly had reason to be optimistic. 
but just with the way that they started and then Penrith scored first, it yeah probably put them put them out of out of if they weren't already, you know, with about half an hour to go. Mm. So overall, um, you know, another dominant performance and into another grand final. Yeah, four in a row. And like I said, uh, when you complete the back end with only with a couple of errors, ninety percent for the game. Yeah, Melbourne at 65, 50 misses, 14 errors, and then the penalty count was the thing again. Just shoot yourself in the foot. There was 13-5 when you add up the six against and the penalties. Yeah. Nelson, obviously a huge contributor to that, but especially stuff in yardage. Like Marion Seve had one early, which led to the first try, where it just flipped the field. And there was multiple times where Melbourne did that. Yeah. Anytime they seemed to have got themselves in any sort of decent field position or trying to get in that hard wrestle with Penrith, they'd give away a shit penalty. Release the pressure and just invite them straight back in the half. Yeah. And they're, they're middles. I know we've said it every year, in particular forward time, finals time, but they're brutal. Fish and Louder, no surprise, really laid a stamp on this game. Yeah. And that's the calling card again next week for the grand final. Back five metres cycle and those two just getting stuck in the Haas, Carrigan, Flegler, etc. And if they do that, that's been, you know, the straw that stirred the drink the last few years in that grand final recipe. Yeah. So very interested to see. Uh, but dominant performance, really, really good by them. Could wrap a lot of players, but yeah, the, the real standout on watching it when I got home again, I thought live I sort of didn't pay as much attention because you're watching most of the field, but I thought Yo was brilliant. Big yeah, part of the play, yeah. you know, I mean, that performance. So uh, good team effort by them. Melbourne, I, I can't wrap too many people. Probably the most consistent guy all year I thought was pretty good again was Nick Meany. Just does his job. Absolutely. But <clears throat> again, disappointing. Blue-collar player, isn't he? Yeah, disappointed in what the forwards dished up. Um, and then, yeah, when Harry misses seven tackles, Munster and Hughes, six apiece, and the attack once again disjointed in some of those errors, that there wasn't a lot uh, to sort of celebrate or take out of that. So mm. disappointing, but no surprise. Penrith dominant and four grand finals in a row. Moving on to the Broncos-Warriors game. This first half was actually pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, we sort of set it on the night. Goal kick obviously turned out to be a big part too in the first half that I was worried about once we got to halftime. Yeah. The fact that, you know, New Zealand early got to run those plays, made sure they were getting back to post, playing that right side. Got Dallin in early like they do, pulling that edge apart with that nice right side shift shape they get. Chance this year really improved in that department. Johnson, we know, does all the work on the inside. Uh, you know, to, to sort of put that early work in, it was disappointing the dummy half try not long after that. And then, obviously, we talked about what they were going to do on the edges and could they put pressure on Walsh or draw him into an error. Dallin picked him off early, sort of got him to that point with 8-4. But, yeah, as, as things sort of wore on, I think Webster, again, also when we talk about press conference, his press conference was fantastic. Yeah, but classy. Really I think classy. he pretty much summed everything up with the fact of as dangerous as we were with the attack, and I was really happy with that. And we asked questions when we got inside 20. On the defensive side of the ball, we never gave ourselves a chance. Said couldn't stop the ball, weren't effective in shutting it down, were generally on the retreat and weren't making sure that things were finished before the ball came out. And then off the second phase and the second efforts, he basically summed it up. Those dangerous spaces that were created, we didn't close them. And we just didn't stop the ball and we never gave ourselves a chance. Yeah. And that pretty much summed everything up. Um, but 24-8 and the late try they got where Pompey got held up and then Marcelo in the corner on the left where Tamara and Johnson linked up and again, nice and deep. Drew that edge in, I think Penrith will certainly be looking at some of what the Warriors did and thinking, well, we can certainly tidy up the error side of the game that they do and the discipline and the defensive side of things. Mm-hmm. If we can stop the ball and strangle there, there's certainly some things to be worked with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Warriors, as he said, didn't help themselves on that side of the ball. And 24-12 second half, it was looking like a good arm wrestle. Had some moments and then obviously that forward pass, which was awful, really yeah. awful. Um, shouldn't happen and I agree with him he, he didn't blame it for the game he said we shouldn't have let line break happen in the first place which again speaks to Webster the man and the team to not let them do that and basically said that like we need to be accountable for our actions and how we play I don't want to have to blame referees I look at that if we do the right things we won't have to worry about the referees yeah. um, <clears throat> but yeah between between that moment that sort of really I don't know if it really broke the back but things really went downhill from there they did. Yeah. That inside shoulder up, he gets Pompey. I thought even the pass back inside to Ricky was forward. So neither got called. 
Yeah, I don't know about the second one. It's, it's, I know, like, it's one of those borderline ones. The first one. The first one. Yeah, like, it was Ford. Who's like responsible for that? You'd like to think the on-field officials would pick it up. Well, they're saying like the they're touch human. is fine. I'm like, I get that. But even the ref, like surely someone picked that up. Yeah. Anyone. It's just a howler. And that's the one that, you know, during the season of, you know, and for years I've probably said on the podcast, I, I believe the bunker should be able to come in and just remove any howler. Hmm. You can see that it's a howler. Well, the thing is, we review every single try, but the fact they can't rule on a forward pass, that would have been taken away. That's not what I'm talking about. I was just talking about if there's a blatant howler that everyone can see is wrong, the on-field officials have missed it. They only get one look at it. They're the only people, apart from the players, that get one look at it Mm. to to then make a decision. Mm. Like even the players at times, you know, they get the look at it, then they'll look at the replay on the screen and then they can challenge it. The officials have to make a call based on one view. So they're in the most difficult position. Yeah. We need to, to a degree, protect them. I think the game could have protected the referees on the weekend. Definitely. From, from all this um, you know, controversy that surrounded the game. And it was at a crucial stage of the game. I don't care what anyone says. The Warriors well, were still in that four footy. tries to three and they were in, in <clears> a cycle with them. Like I, I, do I think the Warriors win? No. I, probably not, but I don't know. Because it, it if should that's be called for a pass, Warriors got the ball going in. Yeah, but that's the problem. You, you give this exclamation point because that moment was allowed to happen. Yeah, I just think the game could protect itself. I know a lot of people don't have an appetite for more technology and more stoppages. Mm. I'm not asking for more technology or more stoppages. We have the right amount of... I think we have too many stoppages. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But everyone who watches rugby league would have been happy to see the game stop there and for the right decision Come to be made. And that's... Simple as that. The argument that came out today, straight up, we go, well, if you rule on all forward passes, they'll check all. You don't have all. to rule on all forward passes. You don't. Passes. That one's just blatant. That one shouldn't even be a question of whether you go, that's not a try. Just the howler. Because that Please. is an absolute howler. But that turns out to be, like we said, the floodgates opening. Um, they get inside there, score that try. Pompey not long after. The moment with Stags leads to the Sinbin, down to 12 men, and then they just drop the hammer on. Yeah. They finish the job. Uh, Ma'am, on the back of that pressure... Shift shape when they're punching through the middle. All the Warriors defenders turn out, bounces back off his left, comes in. Yeah. Herbie gets another late try. That edge was disconnected all day with him. He did a fantastic job. He got Berry once earlier on sort of a jam line where he just got outside him. That one there, Johnson sort of turned backwards. Berry had come in to jam. They were all sort of doing their own different thing, but good yeah. footwork, good pass from Walsh, and he chopped them to pieces again. So it blows out to 42-12 to 12 and... Like I said before, realistically, that they proved dominant once they took over. Um, they had 24 offloads, like he was talking about in terms of second efforts and just moving the ball. And off the back of that, summed everything up. It wasn't just the misses. They had 48 misses. They had 44 ineffective, though. And they're the ones we yeah. talk about. Not winning rucks, not stopping the ball. That essentially is almost 100 bad tackles mm-hmm. when you put the two together. And then 11 line breaks. And that's to the point that Webster's making again. I'm not going to blame it on that moment because a lot of what happened was our own doing. Yeah. When you make errors and you defend that way, yeah, you generally... Right, you just, to a degree, you just got to control the controllables. Exactly. And that's what he's saying. We, we should have controlled the ball. We should have stopped some of those offloads. Yeah. We would have stopped the spaces that were created in some of those tries and line breaks because it all starts with not stopping the football. And full credit to Brisbane. Their middle was amazing. Yeah. Haas, Carrigan, Flegler almost got four apiece between them. I thought Palacis, Ben Stint and... Whatever was going on there, I know sometimes clubs, when someone signs elsewhere, they sort of on the outer, but his form and how he was playing was too good to deny. He's coming to the piece at the back end of the year, but I'm glad it's got to the point where it's like, well, you're here now. He isn't gone yet. Mm. If he's one of your better players and they're using him for 50 minutes now, not 20s, 25s, and he's making an impact, which he did on this game again, well, fucking use him. That's football. Blokes have to leave clubs. You can't keep everybody. But if they're in your best 17, you're playing. And I think for them... As the years gone on, we talked about this other week with the Pierre Kura, Hetherington, even Smoothie coming in just to give that little bit of balance. I think they've actually found their best 17. They've genuinely found a better bench and a better team for the Broncos, which I think that makes them an even bigger chance than what I would have probably given them during the year if you told me it was still Tapa U and Jensen and, you know, Pakes or whatever format. I think they've slowly found the best construction of this Broncos side with that bench as well. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they're middle. Clinical, absolutely clinical. Walsh had a hand in absolutely everything. Yeah, there's errors. We know that. Um, that sort of comes with the territory, but six line break assists, three try assists. Every time he ran the ball again, had blokes turned out, took inside shoulders, took space, just wreaked havoc. And that all started with what his middles did. 
Yeah, agree. Um, but yeah, Herbie, etc. It was it was a great night for Brisbane. Rocking crowd, sad end for the Warriors, but yeah, I, I really loved the press conference. I loved a lot of what they acknowledged, and they're not happy. And he basically said, I think the most important thing, well, everything's great, and they'll reflect on it. And they're really, really happy. But the big thing now, off Sean Johnson and the guys saying in the locker room that they've set up this place and this this bat for a uh, platform for them to launch off. That it's all on the players now to take this forward. It's yeah. not good enough to have this one year after the three years of COVID and this whole situation. They've had a really good year. They've got a good team. They're going to have minimal turnover. Their cup team was good. They've got kids there. They were in ball this year. They're going back into all the grades, so their pathway is going to be rebuilt. It should now turn into what it always should have been. It should be producing players. They've got their own backyard. They should be essentially their own version of Penrith, but in New Zealand, if they do the right job, because no one else should be taking their players away. No, that's right. Um, and no. yeah, you, you look at what they've got. They've made it generally home-based players this year, again. Not yeah. relying on recruitment and outside. They had a couple of outside recruitment and that all really worked. But all the foundations have been laid within a short space of time here for long-term success. But he hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Now it is now on the players to carry forward all the pillars that have been put in place. You can have coaching, structure, development, this, that, and the other. But the players at the end of the day are the ones who go on the field. So if they stay hungry and continue to buy and what Webster has sort of established there along with Cameron George, Mick Fadden, et cetera, and everything that's been put in place. This this should be another one of these teams like a Penrith or a Melbourne that we look at all the time and think, well, they, they'll never be out of the eight. Mm. It's, it was really great to see this turnaround. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, not the way they would have wanted to go down, but what a season by the Warriors. No one saw this coming. No, well, no, no one. Absolutely no one. Mm. And full credit to the Broncos too. Um, again, went to near Spoon first year, last year. Similar to the South situation, back into the year, like seven losses in a row, just complete train wreck and missed. And uh, th- this year, it's just gone next level. A lot of those guys have found their potential, played rep football, slowly across the year, more and more confident. And I think now they are, you know, that dominant team. They realise what they have. Yeah. I think the big thing for them, maybe, and I, I don't know if it'll have any effect this week, but similar to a Penrith, I think, because they've had so many juniors that are talented for a while and they haven't capitalised probably as much as you would have liked in the last few years, there's, there's already a few moving on at the end of this season. So that turnover process is starting probably a little bit quicker because it's taken longer to get to this point. So for them, do they see this as a, you know an opportunity that has to be taken? Mm. It's a good question, but it's a hell of a football mm-hmm. team. and It is, but it, like every game is its own individual game. Every season is its own individual season. So it's really, like, it's really hard to project ahead. Like you look at what happened to... Parramatta last year mm. into this year. You look at what happened to the Cowboys last year to this year, even to a degree Cronulla mm. last year to this year. So you just you can never you never assume even Roosters, you know, last year to this year. Brisbane are in as good a spot as they'll ever be in to win a win a premiership. I know the opposition they're facing are a daunting task and they're an exceptional team, no doubt. But you you got to be there. You got to be there on the day. They're they're there. Mm. So and you got to be you. That's I think the main thing. Yeah, that's what I said initially. Just I think that Brisbane just really need to own who they are, and not lose their identity in trying to adapt to what they think Penrith might do. Mm. Well, they've certainly got the pack. I yeah, think to go head to head with the Penrith. Um, when you look at halves, creativity, and spine, they've certainly got the points and the way to move the ball and open things up. I think it's. Yeah, just picking. Probably not overplaying your hand. You don't want them to throw the risk out the window altogether. That's the point, right? But getting that balance right it. there, because I think the middle with minutes, the way they play, will certainly hold up the end of the bargain against Penners. Yeah, and that's probably the big thing. If you can go set for set there and get into that sort of cycle and territory battle and go head to head with Penrith there, that makes it very interesting. There's not many teams do that with Penrith, and they've certainly got enough firepower to match them. Right, that and department. that's more my point. I don't think they need to do that. I think they need to find a different way. Be interesting to see how they do it. That that's not their style. Brisbane aren't, aren't that style of team. So you know, could they do it potentially? But we'll see how it pans out. Mm. Uh, great matchup. Best two teams all year, like we spoke about, and now we get to see it. it hasn't happened since round one. It's gonna be unreal. More players. It's gonna be like the first team. time in a little while since one and two made the grand final as well. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about like a marquee team in Brisbane who are highly supported everywhere 
because they were the base team. So all your New South Wales expats, um, you know, or everyone basically all around. If you were a Queenslander, that's who you went for. So yeah. I think there's a swag of support here. I think the crowd, I think they might even be 50-50. Crowd yeah. was, or if not slightly favoured. Penrith the other night basically had the majority of that 35,000. I'm sure there'll be even more on board this week. Keen to come. I don't think a lot of people would have been crazily motivated to have to attend that game last week. No. After the last few years, and a lot would have thought that they'd be in, but I'll be very interested to see the crowd split. I, I think Brisbane will get a really good base down here. Out of the eighty-five, it, like it honestly surprised me if it wasn't at least sixty-forty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm going back a long time, but the last sort of one we looked at, and a lot of people questioned, was Broncos Storm. That's 06. I know I'm reaching a long way here, but that day, like the amount of Broncos jerseys that came out, was pretty significant. Yeah. Um, they're a very well supported club, and I know. Between 2015 and there, there's been a long time, and that day again sold out for two Queensland teams. But yeah, I think they'll have a, a decent conglomerate come down for grand final though. Yeah. So in, in that sense, I think yeah, great crowd, great day. And really looking forward to these matchups and the grand final slate has been sorted as well. Uh, the state championship, we knew the Brisbane Tigers won the Queensland Cup the other week. It was South Sydney who you'd spoke about it before, Joe Callahan. That team during the year didn't get a lot of plaudits, but they were there the whole time, just sort of under the radar, finished second, and they finished the job off on the weekend. Knocked off the minor premiers and the Bears. Yeah. Uh, tight game. It was back and forth. Found a try in the last four minutes and held on. Mm-hmm. So they'll be taking on the Brisbane Tigers. And in the NRLW, the poor old Roosters has happened again. Got taken out before the big dance. The Titans kept them to zilch. Great effort by them. Uh, into the grand final and, and Newcastle and Brisbane two powerhouses had a bit of a shootout but Newcastle survive and back into the big dance so it's going to be the Knights up against the Titans it's a grand final slate looking good yeah uh, great day of action I always love going in we get in early we watch all the games I still wish the gap wasn't as big between everything yeah uh, especially nice. between that and grand final I think you know for years now it's sort of worn off a little bit that gap just Bit of air goes out for me when you have to wait so long between the middle game and the green form. It is ridiculous, yeah. And, you know, every year it's, oh, what about the performance? Like, fuck, I've said this a hundred times, I'm sure you agree. 95% of the people there could not give a fuck who's performing. That's not what I'm going for. It's not the Super Bowl, they're not getting top light. Like, I'm not going for a concert, I'm going to watch footy. So if they could tighten that last little bit in, I think it'd be an even better day. Yeah, it's but, not going to happen though. Mm. Great slate. Um, Really looking forward to it. And in the Jersey flag, the Bulldogs, like we said, dropped a lot of guys back down during the year that were up in cup, got away with one late 22-20 over the Roosters. Yeah. Who come in all guns blazing. So saw Gus put up about Matt's won the comp and they won the comp in a good year overall. And I think, again, it's just one of those ones for fans where it's good to see some positive results there. But obviously in the next few years, they're going to want to see that converted in the first grade because... You know, off the back of those good results, the first thing a lot of people threw out straight away again was, well, you're talking about juniors. Well, why do we let Alamotti go? Why do we let Avarillo go? Two young guys we just had out of the very few that are Bulldogs juniors, they're not here anymore. So, um, but there's certainly some good names to look out for in that flag team that won, and we'll we'll see in a couple of years' time how many hopefully get converted in our players. But that wraps up uh, the review of those games from the weekends, and we know... Those slated grand finals. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's review the seasons of the two teams that were eliminated. Let's start with a storm. Uh, managed to jag third place after an up and down year. Obviously eliminated on the weekend in the prelims. 16 and 8 was their record. Attack, they were third. Defensively, they were fifth. They used the equal most players in the competition this year, 34. So certainly see the changing of the guard with the forward pack. Mm. Uh, they did have some injuries as well. They had some long-term injuries, but 
I sort of cut that number down because I looked last round, there was a couple of one-game debutants, so you'd essentially say they used 30, 31, mm-hmm. which is on par with the Bulldogs, which I also said for theirs. They had 34, but Rajab, he didn't have his top squad. Wade, Quay Ward late in the year, Tanner for a couple of games, Skelton. You know, there was a couple of guys, Sexton, that weren't part of the original 30, so they've used a lot more than what they probably should have. They used 30, 31 as well, but um, that's pretty unusual for Melbourne in the past. There'd be a handful of guys that come in during origin time, but that's a lot of players to be using. Yeah, it is. It um, is a lot, no doubt. <laughs> away record, 7-5, and five, so they still did pretty good on the road. Uh, prediction, I think I remember I wrote down the item 6, so third, bit better than what I thought. 16.5 was the over-under. We were both under. That was bang on. They got 16. Yeah. So pretty much what we would have thought. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing we knew this coming to the year, it was a complete new forward pack, and it was a real change in the garden that, in that sense of things for Melbourne. No Jesse, Kenny, Felice, or Cheese. Almost 900-plus games went out the door. What was brought back in, the only one of probably significance was Katoa, who turned out to be a really good boy, and they've now extended him for a couple of years, and he's only young. They'll work with him. Tarek got injured early, so I don't think that really panned out how they'd hoped. They thought maybe they could convert him into a middle and get something out of him there. And other than that, it was, it was all internal. Yeah, Welch come back. Um, Nelson, King, who, who'd come along a little bit for him the year before. The back line, the centres, etc. Most of what was there, Liero, who developed over a couple of years, they'd filled in with their own players internally. Um, and unfortunately, it just turned into one of those years where we didn't see the best. It was a development year for a couple of guys. Like I said, Katoa had a pretty good year. I think Warbrick was one of the real positives, someone they put a lot of time into. Played him for a full year this season. Definitely found somebody in him, but... It felt like a lot of guys either stagnated or sort of went backwards, which is the disappointing part. Like Nelson signs a long-term extension, didn't have a great year. Welch, I don't think by lack of effort, but just multiple injuries now. Have ACLs, Achilles injuries. At some point, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, then he sort of, despite bust, uh, busting his backside, always looked a step behind or off the pace. And the biggest hole for Melbourne was their middle. And even a guy like King, like, you know what you're going to get every week, but that, that's pretty much your ceiling. Yeah. He's a 7 out of 10. Does a really, really good job, but that really had a flow and effect everywhere else. They didn't win the middle very often. Um, the limited times they did, they were okay. And then inconsistency sort of ruled throughout the team. When the spine, we talked about it, multiple guys played poorly or, you know, one or two would play well. Like, they never really were all on the same week. Munster, okay year. Hughes started off injured with Niggles straight out of the World Cup. Had a really good sort of month all that in the back end. Harry starred the year really well after Origin, never quite got back on the horse. Yeah. Couldn't go full games, missed a lot of tackles. Pappenhausen waited all year to see him and then after a couple of games breaks his leg. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably uh, one where I thought it really could have been an X factor mm, coming into that back end if of the it year. Because we, we sort of knew what Melbourne were. Yeah. We knew that <clears throat> they had the ability to go with the top sides for short periods of time, but probably not across eighty minutes. They were certainly more than capable of defeating the bottom 12 teams Yeah, for the majority of the time because, you know, those teams were probably just as inconsistent at times as what Melbourne were. But Pappenhausen, I really thought, you know, if he came back and was able to add a little bit of spark, whether it was off the bench or moving to fullback, I thought if he moves to fullback, it'll move Meany into the back line, it'll actually strengthen their back line. Like, I I saw it as only as a positive, but... With that ending, particularly at the time that it happened, and the way it happened, was uh, yeah, a real kick in the stomach for for their probably their momentum at the back of the year. And look, to be fair, they got they got comprehensively beaten by Penrith and Brisbane, and you know I think they finished where they deserved to finish. Well, lucky to get out of week two, really. The Roosters probably should have won that one too. Yeah, probably like you can say lucky, but <clears throat> it's just funny how. Same old team seemed to get more lucky than others. There. Yeah, well, we we, can, we can't <clears> take away in that regard. That was pretty much giving my summary here as well. Like the centers as well. Remus and Olam were features a few years ago. Part yeah. of those teams, like they're falling out. And here, like especially the last six weeks, Jernos and any people questioning Bellamy's decision. If you watch the way Olam's defended, even when he's been back in, he has not been good. There's a good reason those guys were dropped out. Do I want to see Young and Seve really as my starting centers? No. But when you're trying to prove a point or light a fire on the guys or see some improvement, you've got to go some way about it. You can't keep rewarding guys with NRL jerseys if they're not doing the job. 
Yeah. They sent him to cut, <clears throat> gave him a chance to play his way back in or get healthy. Same with Remus. Young and Seve. Seve actually did a pretty good job, I thought, for the most part, out of the two. Young had a couple of good games, obviously got exposed during finals, but, you know, the message he sent, um, he rolled him back in for the back end and, and still didn't play. But that goes across everything. Pack inconsistencies, back line <laughs> inconsistencies, defensively at centre in particular, and I never re- can really recall a game where I thought all the spine were in sync. Or had exceptional games. Yeah. And I can't think of a game against a really big team where many of the spine players dominated either. Which comes back to the same point you're making. This year, they really did a number probably on the other 12 teams, but that sort of handful at the top, they didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, where to from here is probably the biggest question for Melbourne. But I, I think when you really strip it back, and sort of said this to a few people, for them to still win 16 games with what they lost third and make it to a prelim just speaks to what we've already said for a long period of time. Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm. Organisational, yeah, strength. Because when you really look at it and go, like <laughs> King, Liera, like what we said, and what was there, uh, bar probably a couple of the spine players and then having the amount of chopping and changing in the backs and using 34 players, not a lot of teams would have landed where they've landed. It's a massive overachievement. Oh, yeah. You could say overachievement. I, yeah, I well, it's probably something you'd expect of them, but I, when I looked at this at the start of the year, I thought they'd probably be in the bottom of the eight and maybe get knocked out week one. Mm. To get to a prelim again, like, it's uh, yeah, pretty big, but... It's a fantastic achievement. Yeah, mm, I think achievement. it's the worst defensive side we've had in a long time as well. I think it's the worst defensive record since 2005. Yeah. Um, and they still were top five in that regard, but speaks to the difference between those few teams in particular Penrith like I, I rate the Penrith numbers down when I was doing everything they averaged 13 points a game the next best is 18 mm-hmm. and that's Brisbane in second and the Warriors again were like 19 at third so you like poles apart everybody from Penrith in that regard yeah um, but yeah I think the few shining lights Katoa's still only 22 he'll only get better hopefully Warbrick first full year now the real question marks that fullback spot we saw a glimpse of Sua um, they've obviously got hopes for him Papenhausen's still got tears to run off another injury. Meany signed an extension at the start of the year when he got hurt, so they've got some decisions to make around that. But I think more than likely, with those problems we've had in the outside backs, you'd hope that Meany would like to play centre or wing or do a job for him. Coates and Warbrick seem like they'll be the wingers, so I think it's probably natural that Meany ends up being a centre. Yeah. Um, does he? Is he happy with that in 12 months' time? I don't know. Because I'm sure someone will come for him to play fullback, but I guess it's whether he's happy there or not. Playing a different position. Yeah. Um, Sewer, yeah, they've obviously got a decision to make there, depending on preseason and form, because there's only been positive things said about him the last few years. He's another sort of version of Pappenhausen in terms of X Factor and Game Breaker and Speed. Um, so I, I, that one's going to be a real interesting one next year. Big time. Yeah, um, big and then there's still other ones we've waited on. Jack Howarth has been talked about for years. It's more been health that's held him back. He got a debut on the last round, it's a big off season for him. It's a huge investment in an 18-year-old. He's still only bloody 19. Yeah. Turning 20, but they don't give five-year deals very often for somebody like that, which is why they didn't go to market for a back row. <laughs> so they've got high hopes for this kid. Yeah, they do. But it's another one where you sit there and go, okay, if that happens, Liero probably doesn't have the greatest leg speed, did a job as a middle rotation last year. That's probably more where they'd like to use him, which then helps in another area that they struggled in. Yeah. But in terms of what's coming in at the moment, they've signed nobody. So it's all internal. Yeah. Um, who's off? Tepai, Eisenhoof, Jordan Grant, Nicarima, <clears throat> um, Jennings, etc. A lot of guys, I think mostly, that'll either sign cheap deals or move on. They're all sort of replaceable bits. They were talking a few weeks ago that Tarek was keen keen to stay and they were looking at him. Uh, but the reports today are Catalan Dragons, which doesn't surprise me. I think they've got marquee spots open. Yeah. So for him, um, at this point in his career and after the way this year's sort of gone, I think that's probably the right sort of move for him. Um, of the other couple... Eisenhuth's got a club option. I, I'd, I'd guess they'd keep him. He's really a Melbourne-type player. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised I said to you that Tepai didn't play some of those back-end games. He's off. I'd like to see him stay. Me too. I think I... there was some value in him, and he's still very young too. He improved out of sight. Um, but, yeah, <clears> I think if you keep those two, they're probably going to have five or six spots to fill. They've got one or two development guys that were sort of on the boil. Uh, Lazarus, I, I don't know a lot about him. Tristan Power played in that Queensland Cup Grand Final. They're development guys. Jerry Moose, who's one of their young flag kids they got high hopes for. But yeah, I think it's more look at it next year and you go, are they a premiership threat? I'd say no. 
I think they're similar to what they are again. You know what Melbourne does and what they deliver and how consistent they are, but they're probably in a bit of a state of flux roster-wise unless someone jumps out of the ground or one of these kids comes in and fills a hole immediately. Like, how much more can you really improve on what you've got? Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be a big test, no and, doubt about it. And that's the real question. And again, that's another question mark about how long Bellamy goes for. He signed for another year. Is next year the last year? Riles was coming in <laughs> after his rugby stint. That was what was mooted a couple of years ago. Is mm. next year the final year of Craig Bellamy? That's another question for Melbourne. But yeah, yeah, hard one, hard one to answer right now. Market's thin. I think the one real standout thing would be an extra middle, but there's really nothing there. Luke Thompson is off, but price tag. McLean's been there. He still hasn't re-signed with the Cowboys, but there is nothing in terms of middles available. Yeah. So I don't really see how they improve that. So big year. Um, but yeah, I think they well well and truly overachieved and it's going to be interesting to see if someone can jump out of the ground for them. But yeah, good year in terms of where they landed and finished, but disappointing ending. But the war is fourth, 16 and eight, seventh in attack, third defensively, which is the big thing where that improvement came. They used 30 players. They had some injuries early, but certainly we talk about two trends that turned quickly. Defensive resilience and that defensive record. Their away record back traveling this year, eight and four. So they're outstanding on the road. Yeah. Um, when that's half your wins, that's great. Prediction, I had them basically running somewhere near the edge of the bottom four, thinking it'd be a tough year transitionally, but they blew that out of the water. Uh, over under was eight and a half, 16. They blew that out of the water. Mm. So I don't really know... You know, what What are the positives you could really heap on the Warriors? It's their first year home in three years. They've got a coach that nobody knew anything about. A lot of the signings, you know, were made before he got there, but they turned out to be great. Like, Dylan Walker was fantastic. Murata between injury and a bit of suspension. Chan's reignited his career. He was awesome as well. Um, you know, Jackson Ford, Tamari Mark before his injury. Metcalf when he got his chance. All these guys certainly contributed. It made a difference. Absolutely. And then the revival of a lot of guys that were there that a lot of people overlook. Like Dallin got back to what early Dallin with Teens Lesnet was predicted to be or should have been. Johnson, last year people were calling for him to retire. There was lots of bad shit being said about him over there. Career best year, and I think he's going to win the Dallian medal. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Like, you know, yeah, it's hard to argue. There's a few guys that were always solid but lifted to a new level with the life that was brought from Webster. Mm-hmm. Tohu and Fanua Blake Wade Egan's been talked about for years I, I actually think he was the best hooker this year consistently in the comp well <clears throat> people are saying it was Harry Grant I, I watch Melbourne every week I don't agree with that Arpy had some moments at the Tigers but he also plays for the Tigers <laughs> I, I, I find it hard to have a clear cut favourite this year but in terms of some of his games and what I, I think, uh, I've seen put in him I, and Billy Walters are definitely the most improved hookers in the game hmm I think he played a huge part in their attack. Um, improved out of sight. Yeah, no, no argument about that. <clears throat> but yeah, led by those Some two Some really simple and... triggers in his game, like just identifying things. And <clears throat> he's, yeah, you're right. He's he's become a a really, really good footballer. <clears throat> but yeah, guys like Barry, Pompey, <clears throat> again, people were waiting to see this potential of what has been spoken about. It all come to the fore. <clears throat> um, and that, Credit really has to go to Andrew Webster. Yeah. He brought this group together. Like I said, none none signed or really brought in under his watch, but it didn't matter about that. Coached the group, brought the group together, built Warriors DNA, like really has re-established what is the New Zealand Warriors, if not reinvented it, even more so. And we saw what come on the back of that. The brand of football, the attack that come off the back (laughs) of the resilience Everyone buying into it, the crowd's growing, the up the was, the signs, like everything about New Zealand games this year, home games, the atmosphere, the team, and what they dished out, why wouldn't you be a fan? And to do that off the back of what we said, no one's had more challenges the last three years. No, no one's got more excuses to have had another probably negative season, which is why I probably didn't get my hopes too high, but said in the season preview on Stick Bite that give them a few years with the right people there, this will become a juggernaut. It is yeah. well ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. I think the question is now, can they replicate that again in 12 months' time and then make it sustainable. Because if they can, this, in a sense, with correct pathways, going back into Matt's ball, cup, which they were in this year, and turning this into a production line where they're producing within and not having to go to market, this should be another Penrith in that sense. Should be. Should be. We've got the right kids here. We feel from within. 
we can still go to market and get one or two or go out for players if we want to, but it's not what we have to rely on. Yeah. It should be self-sustainable. And I think what they've done in such a short space of time is to be commended. And I really hope that this isn't a one-off and we don't have another one of these situations where 12, 18 months time, we're talking about a change of the guard or something happening and got a lot of faith that with Webster there, that's not going to be the case. But um, listen to their press conference, even looking at Tohu, the way they reacted, even off what he said, like they they have more than bought into him. They believe Big time. in what's going on in over there, and that's what probably gives me the most confidence that this is going to be continued. Yeah, um, and then you look at them kids that we only saw little glimpses of, like Leia Tower, Laban's yet to play, Mau, Sifakula. They've got guys coming in. They've got minimal turnover. I think the only player that was confirmed out is Bailey Siren, and he's a good player. But they're letting him go because of what they got. Um, and they let Vallejo go again because they're stacked in that spot. Mm. So they're the only two changes. Next year, there's a lot of decisions to be made. As of November 1, they've got 12 guys off contract, technically. Yeah. So they're going to have to make some decisions there. But yeah, I mentioned those guys. Two kids from the SG ball side ended up coming all the way up to Cup. Um, Halasima, who's a back rower. Stow Smith was the captain in the middle. Like, it, like I said, this should be turning into a production line and sustained success with the right decisions. But man, like, yeah, having yeah. <clears throat> having been over there, like, and witnessed that game day that I witnessed, mm. there's all the hype about, you know, the fans and the sellout and the atmosphere, and that that's all true. Yeah, their reserve grade were excellent. Their reserve grade were probably cut down a little at the back end of the year through injuries through first grade. Mm. Also, you know, there was a time there where travel as well is always. Oh well, yeah, but it's also. NRL are at home, we're in Australia. Um, NRL are at Penrith, we're at Leichhardt at a similar time. So they were disadvantaged yeah, there as well. Having to share that happens, and, that happens, yeah. right? But their reserve grade were very, very close to winning the New South Wales Cup. I don't think people understand that if if they had their full complement on the field... I think they win. Yeah, I don't know they win, but they, they are certainly in the mix. Mm. They would have given a far better account of themselves you know, than what they did in that preliminary final. Uh, and, yeah, I think, like you said, the fact that they were SG ball this year into yep. flag next year, that's, yeah, that pathway is becoming very clear. And it, it looks as though they've come through the COVID period, which looked to potentially cripple their club mm. in a stronger position than what they were prior to it. So And they've hired the right credit person, to, clearly. That's... Yeah, no brainer there. Mm. No brainer there. But there's far more to this than just him. Yeah. Cameron George, the club, they've all done. A lot They're of people have done job. great jobs. McFadden in part, like all those guys have been brought into their jobs, have pulled all of it in a line in a really quick space of time. Yeah. Even the small stuff that I don't ever talk about on here, which I'm not into, but like my bar- looking at my partner on Instagram and that and following them, like their social media stuff, their package, like you want to talk in all sense of hitting things out of the park as a club. They, they put everything back on the track in a very short space of time. Yeah. And I have no doubt next year that's going to be a hot ticket again. Round one or buy memberships to get a game to a Warriors, uh, ticket to a Warriors game with Roger two of us coming back as well. Harris DeVita after his year off to sort of clear his head after, you know, three years on the road and what sort of happened there. I think they're in a better position. Like that, We already said they had depth this year in spots, but mm. to be able to bring Roger in off the back of the revival of chance, you've got flexibility at fullback. They've got halves depth. Like even Metcalf, I thought was more a fullback than what he was as a half. But between him, Martin, Harris, Devita, Volkman, Sheck, Chans, like they got outside back and half options out the wazoo. <clears throat> they do. They got a great forward pack. <clears throat> and if any of these guys come on, which I'm sure again, Yalea Towers, Sifical as Laban's are only going to get better. If they can find probably one more really strike forward or someone to bring a little bit more from their bench. Yeah, it's already a very good side. Agree, and I'd love to think that we're talking about them in a prelim again next year. <clears throat> that would be awesome yeah. to see this replicated. Um, but yeah, with what's going in, what's out, and what's back in, in particular those two players and the stability, it's a really big opportunity next year for them. Before what comes off the back of it, and two of the bigger decisions in those off contracts are Johnson and Tohu. It's probably going to be Johnson's last year, if not, he might be year to year. Tohu went back there for a reason. If his body holds up, I'm sure he'll stay as well. Um, but yeah, a lot of the others that are off, uh, you know, guys, I think they'll, they'll have no issue keeping. Most of them are, are locals or Kiwi lads. There's one or two Aussies in the mix there. But, you know, what Ford's done going over there, the opportunity, 
him and Bar- Barnett were great. Um, Dallin, now that he's back home, you know, Lusick, these sort of guys that were afford opportunities, Jazz, you can't see a lot of them leaving or wanting to go elsewhere. Yeah. So I think that's an also a positive for them as well in terms of signing. That, that those, those type of guys that want to be there are locals and or have moved there for a reason. Hmm. So I think in that sense, I don't know if anyone's really going to try and bend them over the barrel and I don't think they're going to be threatened by that with what they're producing. Cool. So it's a really good time um, for the Warriors, but... Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing all year was the defense. Look, the attack was great. We talked about been able to sequence, go play to play, the development of Johnson, Egan, Chance's passing game, strike all over the field, job their middles did. Just unfair to watch Fenor Blake move the way he does, Tohu get to the level he did. Um, you know, the job their wingers did, finishing, yardage, the bench impact. Um, but, yeah, the defensive resilience was really the cornerstone and something we haven't seen from a Warriors team in such a long time. Yeah. So, great success, and, and fingers crossed that is what's happening moving forward. But that wraps up the season reviews for those two teams. Thanks to the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. Let them help you and your family find the best quality solar solutions. Call 1800 2029 30 today or visit Um, Last little bits just to finish off here, just some signing stuff. Uh, obviously, there was a lot last week, but... Today, Eels confirmed, they've talked about it during the year, Bryce Cartwright has signed on for two more years. No surprise there. Fantastic season. Probably the best of his career. Uh, probably filled a hole they needed to fill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're McGregor, three years. I don't know about the three. He was great before he had that injury. He was another one that... Would have looked at more a two-year. He year. was um, dominant in New South Wales Cup last year when we when we played him. and I thought he started the year probably a little bit slow, like was trying to transition into NRL. But mm. Once he got going. He was very, very good. So he's still young. That's obviously probably why they've gone the three. I don't think money would have been the deal. It's probably they're banking on that development to continue. Um, and the other one was Manly. Manly had a lot that you said that you saw most of it or seen some of it come out last week. NRL website's only really put it up today. So Brad Parker with some of the moves they made. He's now locked in for two more years. Jacob Arthur, his deal is extended to 2025. Bullimore was confirmed after we did last week. They got Atasi James over from the Tigers. So I think he's development. And then yeah, I really like full-timer, he's a good player. Uh, Maddo's now on until 2025 as well. And the Tigers upgraded Jerome Buller until 2027. So they had to change things just to get him in this year, but they've acted early, which I think is a smart yeah, idea. he was very, very good. Because if he hits the market, they will lose him. Not necessarily. But you don't, well, want, him to you don't want him to get to the yeah. market to see the money and other opportunities, yeah. but... you don't. They're talking it's averaged out around 700 or so around over the deal. Again, fullbacks getting the market, good fullbacks, young guys, mm. easily going to get that sort of money. Yeah. So lock that down. Good move by them. And that's pretty much it. There was a little bit of noise today about Sawali and Union and what's going on there, but I don't really talk about it. I didn't, I didn't hear any of there's it. not much to it, but a lot of people are already rumbling that, you know, this well, whole... Gonna, he's going to go, is that what they're saying? Oh, that... Isaac Moses couldn't be contacted, and a lot were trying to get onto him about, you know, they've been eliminated from the World Cup, things are going backwards. There was all this hoo-ha about bringing him over and trying to get Crichton and multiple boys, but, you know, if anything, paying $5 million for a, a league, he's pissed off a lot of the reunion guys, and have they inflated their own market for their own players, and, you know, just the way they go about things. But they were saying, if you're him, money-wise, I'm not looking at it right now. Hmm. Is that really a situation you want to be going into? Well, I haven't even watched the World Cup. I don't even know it was on. I only heard that bit this morning because talkback sort of went crazy and that was sort of the first thing that popped up. But I think if you've, you've made that decision, it's a bit hard to back out of that now, surely. Made yeah. that talk months ago. At the start of the year. Well, yeah. I do agree with the part a long time ago we spoke about that if you're a union junior or a local or guys already in that system and they've just spent the absolute house on a 20-year-old kid from rugby league, you might be a little bit upset. Yeah. Because it certainly doesn't change things, but I'm no expert on union, but I say the same thing I've said a hundred times before. They rant and rave about GPS and we've stolen their players. All those guys are already in rugby league pathways. They just go to GPS schools because the opportunity and the education. They're not playing. Yeah, look, I, I like both games. I watch both games. We're going to slingy match. They've done well to get Suwali. And good luck to him. Hope he goes good over there. Mm. I, yeah, I enjoy watching both games. I... Been watching a little bit of the World Cup. It's obviously a horrid time. Yeah, but yeah Australian Australian rugby is struggling. No doubt about that. Yeah, just with player depth at the moment and what that's caused by. 
I'm not in a position to comment because I don't know. But I, I, I enjoy watching the Wallabies play. And at the moment, they, yeah, they're struggling. I think it's coaching. <clears throat> Just looks to me like other nations at the moment are a little bit stronger than us. And, you know, maybe maybe we've neglected our development. Maybe they've struggled to um, attract players and pull players away from rugby league. I, I don't know. I just know that rugby league has never been stronger in terms of particularly Western Sydney. Like, I've never seen the numbers in Western Sydney this strong, particularly at the, the Western Sydney clubs. They've, yeah, there's a lot of guys playing junior footy and the game's never been more attractive. So the other thing is it used to be a money issue with rugby union and I guess it still is to a small degree, but, you know, they can't go and pay... 2025 20, players what they pay Swali so they, they might get one or two here and there which is okay doesn't fix your problem though that's, I'm not saying it is fixing their problem what I'm saying is is if we lose them lose the occasional one or two it's not fixing their problem you're right no but it's also not hurting our product at all so oh, I, just I, live and let live it, that, that's their strategy at the moment and you know through the evolution of both games there's always been toing and froing there's probably been times when rugby's been more uh, has been stronger than rugby league and vice versa. Who really cares? You know, Sawali's gone and and done what he thinks best. Rugby league will just unearth another junior to give someone else an opportunity, and away we go. Mm, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he left next year. I, because the Roosters are probably in that same situation. They're thinking, well, we're going to develop this kid for another year. He's going to go to Union. If we can get someone in now. Or upgrade someone now. Well, we spoke about Dom, Dom Young's coming. Billy yeah. Smith needs to be kept. So realistically, at the moment, Tupo's there for one more year. Yeah, he's, he's good depth there. To have Swally, Billy like... Smith, Joey Manu. But yeah, are yeah. they going to really bring Dom Young yeah. and drop and are Tupo? There conversations or... going on behind the scenes where Swale saying, "Can I go?" Like we don't, we're not privy to any no. of that. But yeah, with Teddy, Tupo, <clears throat> Billy Smith, like I'm sure if they That's named for the gossip podcast, and we're not one of them. A team round one. Like I don't, I don't see. They're obviously not dropping Manu. They're not dropping Tupo. No, that's and, what I'm saying. They've, Billy they've, Smith, they've, got, they've got good depth. Billy Smith was re- reportedly, <laughs> someone reckons he's had a meeting with Parramatta, but I, I don't see him leaving unless there's nothing there for him. I think he'll be a rooster with the relationship and the trust that they've found over the last few years during his injuries. Yeah. So, yeah, I think push comes to shove. We spoke about the only thing for them is do they feel like they can get something out of it or can they push that money forward for the year after to try and make some moves if they see a benefit? Um, but yeah that'll play out during the off season but absolutely there we go we're wrapped up buddy we'll be back on Wednesday we'll do our in-depth preview talk about any other news that's going on and for anybody out there again if you're on board with the NFL podcast thank you there's been some good reviews so far some pretty good feedback yeah so like we said if, if it stays that way and the year goes well and the numbers sort of trend in the right direction something we can stick with it's obviously like this it doesn't happen overnight it took a few years to sort of build a base, but you just want to see that there's interest and a bit of uptake, and if so, you can build from there. Yeah. With your socials, a little bit of advertising. Uh, no, we don't put any crazy into that. I'd rather it be more natural than anything, which is what we've done, but I uh, appreciate all the feedback so far. I'm glad people like it. Again, if you like the NFL, you're interested, Fourth and Inches NFL podcast, share it, retweet it, do what you got to do, and uh, <clears throat> help us sort of get that off the ground. Happy with the NFL back. A bit of a different week this week, looking at some of the results today. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't some close ones. There was a couple of blowouts and a couple of upsets. Uh, certainly interesting, but always comes, like we talk about, at a good time. Footy's coming to an end. It gives us something to obviously stick with, and we enjoy it a lot. Absolutely. So there you go. But Roosters, Warriors, great seasons, but both eliminated. It's all down to green final time now. It's the Panthers versus the Broncos, 1v2, the two most consistent teams across the season, littered with absolute rep talent top to toe, um, what a matchup across the park, and we've got the right grand final. I think we can say that. I agree, my friend. This is the best possible outcome um, when final series started, and again, this is why they get seeded, and it gets sorted the way it does. One and two, one through. They got to wait for a week, and both put exclamation points as to why they were one and two and got the week off and booked the prelim final spots, and they will go head-to-head this weekend in the NRL grand final. Join us Wednesday night for our grand final preview for the big dance between the Panthers and the Broncos. But for now, that wraps us up. Thank you to Bluebet 
Bet.com.au. Quick look at the odds for them as it stands now without lineups. Penrith, $1.62 favorite. Brisbane, $2.30 minus 3.5. You think that's about correct if you were going to frame something? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Clive Churchill, point of interest, obviously, for everyone. Always no surprise. Nathan, he was already very short with the futures betting, like when they let you bet before finals. He's $3.25 favorite. Walsh, $7.50. The next favorite, Reynolds at eight. Yo, Eight fifty. He's been backed in. Dylan Edwards ten. The winner last year. Haas eleven. Carrigan twelve. I think there's a really good group there out of those. But um, I'm pretty sure I saw Yo somewhere for fourteens or fifteens. So he's been backed in quite significantly. Bit of a roughie if someone like a man pulls a big game. Uh, Twenty three dollars uh, for Crichton has an interceptor. Another big grand final moment. Thirty ones, but. I don't think there's any surprise. The money hot and heavy again uh, for the halves and the two probably standouts in Walsh and Cleary to have impact on this game with Bluebet. NRLW, the Knights women are a $1.52 favorite. Titans, $2.45 minus 4.5 is the odds on that one. And again, no surprise. They were the favorites throughout the majority of the season looking to go back-to-back. Pretty good side. Titans finding their way in, uh, you know, certainly proving a point last week, getting over that Roosters team. So maybe some people who are keen to look at the value there, but the big dance. We'll have the lineups tomorrow. Plenty of stories throughout the week, and we'll break things down on Wednesday. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. Thank you to the Penrith Solar Centre and to Toby and the team. Sinclair, Hyundai, Penrith. SinclairHyundai.com.au Check out the website Corner of York Road and Bat Street Go see Toby and the team The new models of the Conas The two signs of losses etc The new shape and design Absolutely outstanding If you're going to get yourself uh, On a set of four wheels Go see Toby and the team there Boxhead I'll see you on Wednesday buddy You will For now everybody Enjoy your week And enjoy your rugby league Bring it on Give us more Give us more Where are you going Where, what, 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 What's going on here Is that it is that it?